0: Welcome to the Music Grind Podcast. This is Episode 2. welcome back for everybody who's listened to the first episode and if this is your first time thanks for listening thanks for joining in uh this is the podcast that i created to talk to some full-time musicians and try to give you insight inspiration and uh some knowledge and some uh you know a look into the day in the life of a musician You know, I actually had the idea for this podcast from several conversations, the kind of the normal question when you meet somebody, what do you do for a living? And um, I had to try to find a concise way to explain it because sometimes just saying that I'm a musician wasn't enough and some people didn't understand it. Some people did, of course. Uh, some people didn't understand. I even had this one lady who just kind of refused to understand, refuse to accept it. I I told her in several different ways. I told her what I do. You know, I work at a, excuse me, I work at a church. I work a wedding band. I told her this, this simply. I said, when you got married, you either had a band or a DJ and you paid for whatever you got, band or a DJ. If you hired a band, that's what I do for a living. I do several. You had one wedding. Or in this case, I don't think, I think she may have had more than one, but I said, you may have one wedding. I do four or five of them, maybe even eight of them per month. And that's how I make my money. And even after such a simple explanation, I think it was simple. uh, She just couldn't wrap her head around the fact that I didn't have a nine to five job uh, or some kind of corporate or even a trade you know, uh, a different kind of trade, like, you know, maybe I was some kind of construction worker or plumber mechanic. I don't know what she was thinking, but she just couldn't understand or just refused to understand. So here I am explaining it. There's actually also another inspiration for this show or for this podcast. It's a show called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Uh, It's on Netflix right now. And if you haven't seen it, I I really think you should. It's Jerry Seinfeld uh, going around in a really cool car, and then he goes and picks up one of his comedian friends. They go, and they talk while they're in the car, and they go and get coffee, and they talk some more. And what I really like about it is that... It's all, it all seems to me very sincere. They're, they're talking about the craft of comedy, where they started, how they got started, how they write their jokes, how they formulate all their stuff. And I think that's such a great concept for the show. I really like it. I I love how well done it is. But of course, you know, it's Jerry Seinfeld. You don't expect anything less, but that show was an inspiration to me for creating this podcast. So now I'm gonna go talk to my musician friends, and we'll talk about the craft of music. We'll talk about the life of a professional musician and what we do, and uh, and we get into like some of how uh, how they got into music, what what made them start. Um, And we get into, you know, uh, how they transitioned from being just a hobbyist into being a professional, making a living, what pitfalls they might have uh, encountered, what successes they've had. And um, that's the whole reason behind this podcast. So today, uh, for this first, this is the second episode, but this is the first one with an actual uh, interview. This is my good friend, Will Cicina. He's a guitarist, composer. Uh, singer, band leader. And currently he's um, the touring guitarist for uh, Mandy Harvey. Now, if you look her up, go on Google and look up Mandy Harvey, you're going to see a whole bunch of stuff. She's kind of blowing up right now. She's a rising star and for good reason. She's awesome and her music is awesome. And now she's got an awesome band. I know um, everybody in the band and they they really are amazing musicians. Today, I'm talking to Will, who is uh, her guitarist. And one of the things that he said in this interview that really stuck out was um, when he was honest with what he wants in life, uh, you know, and, and being available for what it is he wanted, the universe would respond sometimes in unexpected ways, but in necessary ways, uh, but just being honest about what he wanted in life and what he wanted to do and being available for it. Uh, so, you know, without further ado, there's no, there's not much more I can say, right? Let's listen to the interview. Here we go. Um, so thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, of course. Um, so, how? Did, tell me how you got started in music. Uh, what
1: was your your beginnings? Um, well, my first musical memory, um, not playing, just hearing music and having some kind of emotional response that made me feel like I wanted to know more about it was in my parents old Buick station wagon in probably the late 80s with like the faux wood paneling. Yeah. Like it was like the plastic, you know, but like it had <laughs> the wood look on it and like the, the rest of like the metal of the, the station wagon, which was like a tank, was beige. <laughs> so it it looked like that 60s woody thing. And I don't know. Um, anyway, it was a tape of la Di la Da by the Beatles. Which is, is it, is that the White Album? I don't know. Maybe, I think that may have been on the White Album. I remember hearing that, just like hearing the melody and like, what is going on here? Like, this is such a weird thing. Like, people laughing in the background and like, I didn't know what it was, but I really liked it. Yeah. Um, How old were you? I was probably, I mean, I don't even know, like three four, wow, five, like somewhere in that range. And then the, there's also like a tape of the song Ghost Riders in the Sky. Do you know that song? Ghost Riders in the Sky. Yippee-yay. No. no. <laughs> it's like some, I don't even know what it is. Some old like country and western song or something, and I just made my parents play it like all the time. So it was like my (laughs) first musical memories. Um, Fast forward a couple years, um, my uncle Mike and my uncle Dennis, um, my mom's brothers uh, were very musical. They, you know, born in the late 40s, early 50s, they grew up like in the 60s with all like that folk and, and folk rock and R&B and stuff. So they were always playing in bands. They both played guitar, they both sang. Um, my uncle Mike was a bass player and a singer. So he always played in bands all the time. So growing up, like at family get-togethers, there'd always be guitars, six string acoustic, or 12 string. And my aunt Micah, uh, Dennis's wife, um, she played a dulcimer, which is like this, almost like a lap steel, but like a different tuning and like acoustic. It has like a bar that you slide and you can play chords or single note lines. So they'd get together and play these old like folk songs and like Pete Seeger, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And where I grew up in the Hudson Valley in New York, Pete Seeger lived in um in Beacon, which is where just like five or ten minutes away away from where I grew up. I grew up in Cold Spring. So like my uncle got to play with Pete Seeger and whenever there were summer festivals and Beacon, Pete Seeger would always be very active in the community. So like I'd I'd see that and I don't think I appreciated it as much at the time, because I didn't really get into folk music probably until I was like 18 maybe, or 19. But it was still like a very big part of my life. Um, So then when I got older, I started on the piano, I think. When I was, uh, gosh, eight or something, nine, 10, I don't know. I kind of liked it, but it didn't totally resonate with me. Though I do remember having i was never that good at reading music back then. But usually what I'd do is like, I'd listen to the teacher play something and I'd play it back. So I would always rely on my ears and the teacher would like chastise me for not reading really stuff. Just like oh, you should read it, not just listen to me play it, and then play it back. You know. Right. Um, then I started on the alto saxophone in middle, I think elementary school, maybe fifth grade or sixth grade. I think there's like a standard age in like public schools in like you know New York, New Jersey, that area where kids would start. So I played the alto saxophone and tenor, um, and I liked that. I enjoyed it, but didn't totally resonate with me. I sang in the chorus a little too, and I liked that. Again, it was fun, but like, it wasn't until, I guess I was 13, like when I started playing guitar. Um, and a big part of that was my brother um, played the drums, like the drum set. Um, and There is a drum set at the house, and basically all I wanted to do was get to hang out with my cool little old, older brother. So, um, I would just learn Nirvana songs and songs by The Offspring and just like little simple riffs and that's when like I really started getting into music um, and then from there it just kind of snowballed to now.
0: You went to school for music after that?
1: Yeah, um, I didn't know that I wanted to do music in the um, capacity that I'm doing it now at the time. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, but eventually, when I did know, I think I was 19 or 20, and I was going to Hunter College in New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I, I don't know, I guess I kinda had like one of those light bulb moments um, when I heard like Miles Davis's Kinda Blue or something and before, I never really thought about studying music because you could only really study classical or jazz, and I wasn't really into either of the two. But then, like, I got bit really hard, and I just wanted to learn as much as I could. So I decided to, you know, study theory and harmony and ear training and, you know, piano and guitar a little bit too. Um, and yeah.
0: So you didn't go to school for guitar. Like, that was what was your instrument in at Hunter?
1: It was like, it wasn't like a bachelor of music program, like it wasn't a conservatory program, it was a, a BA degree. Mm-hmm. Basically I have a liberal arts degree with like a concentration of music, so guitar was what I was practicing most of, but um, it was the kind of program where you had to be really self-motivated and look for outside resources if you wanted to get better at your instrument because it wasn't a conservatory, which was good for me. I don't think I would have excelled in like a conservatory type environment because this encouraged me to, um, I don't think I thought about it like this at the time, but looking back, it encouraged me to make the choices to study what I wanted to study. And I did have to take some classical lessons. Um, The teacher did want me to learn like certain things. But most of what I learned was from taking lessons uh, from people like not related through the college, and then just on my own, like getting steered in the right direction to people I should listen to, other musicians and improvisers, and then just transcribing stuff on my own, and then taking the theory and ear training stuff that I was learning in college, and then putting the two together to like my fingers and what I could hear, um, and then what I could understand, and. A lot of that was just on my own and at home practicing. Yeah. Um, so,
0: in terms of the improvisers and like influences, all that, um, who are your, let's say, your top three people, top three guys on any instrument,
1: right? Wow. That you've been influenced by. Uh, Miles Davis, absolutely. Yeah, I love Miles Davis because he kind of opened up the world of starting to understand improvisation. Um, Especially his, like when I got into kind of blue, it's more of like a melodic kind of sound. Mm -hmm. And I've always been drawn to weaving melodies, whether it's through a bunch of chords or just through something static, I like that sound of um, economy of playing. And always sounding like a melody, you know, even if there's chords underneath it, um, but just sounding like there's something that you can almost maybe sing along to. Um, so Miles Davis, um, probably Jimi Hendrix, uh, maybe not as much now, but when I first started getting into guitar and then when I first started like studying guitar a lot in college, like. Just the sound and the aggression, you know, it's just awesome. Um, and then I think <laughs> the guy that really like allowed me to have the confidence to be myself as a player um, was Bill Frizzell, because um, he's playing all different kinds of music, and that's what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to play lots of different styles of music. Um, he was writing a lot of music. He also was arranging a lot of stuff and interpreting classic songs, but he always had like a very unique, identifiable sound. Whether it was playing a jazz standard, whether it was playing like a country or folk tune, whether it was playing like an avant-garde, like noise, punk, metal—you know—there's always something that sounded like him. And he never really played a whole lot, like. He has a really interesting way of voicing chords on the guitar where he would play two or three notes from a chord and kind of imply a lot of harmony rather than just hit you over the head with the harmony. Mm -hmm. And I really latched on to that idea. And I never really was a kind of guitar player that wanted to play a whole lot. Like I just never identified with that. But all of my heroes, Had like an ability to be like virtuosic in their sound. And I guess I liked more of a subtle virtuosity more. But until I heard Bill Frizzell, I don't think I had the confidence to like admit that to myself, acknowledge it, and realize, okay, this guy's doing it. He sounds pretty good. Maybe I should try to be who I am and not try to be someone that I'm not. Yeah.
0: That's good, yeah, so out of college, um, obviously you're here in Florida now, um, and you went you grew up in New York and you went to school in New York. Mm-hmm. How did you come down How did you wind up here in Florida?
1: Well, um, I met my wife, Julie, in New York. Um, I met her right around when I enrolled in Hunter, and she was kind of. Actually, she was definitely a big catalyst for me deciding to try to become a musician because she went to art school um, for photography and she was working on developing her own identity and trying to have a career as an artist. Now she's a really talented jewelry designer. Um, Meeting her kind of got me going on the path to music, but at the same time, we both were kind of burnt out, even though New York was so great for being in like the creative, whatever you're doing, music, art, whatever. We both got burnt out on the intensity. She's from Florida, so we decided to move to St. Pete. To, we thought we would just stay for like a year, kind of figure out what we wanted to do, and then move to another big city. And now like it's almost eight years later, <laughs> we're still here because St Pete has like an awesome like craft scene for Julie um, a pretty decent music scene. there's plenty of work, um just as like a jobbing kind of musician where you can always make money if you want to. There's really good musicians here um, just the standard of living is just nice, like the quality of life is good here mm-hmm. And there's opportunity to do other things and travel but come back to an environment that's a little more relaxing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. St. Pete has a nice art scene going. I, I like that. Yeah. For that. So, you know, we when I met you, like you were you were doing a different job. You had like the A V thing. And a. then D. going Yeah. And then going to you know, to play and we've played in wedding bands.
1: Uh, We've played at churches, we've played at... we played in every kind of band, at one point or another together over the past six and a half years, maybe? Six years? Yeah, it's been a while. Six and a half, seven years or
0: something? So how how have you been keeping yourself, um, as a professional musician, once you made the switch to, you know, you left the AV thing eventually, Mm -hmm. once you made the switch to professional musician, how have you been keeping yourself? float you have a wife so you have financial responsibilities
1: Mm -hmm. you know and a house and you have to eat and all that stuff yeah well the first thing is we keep our expenses as low as we possibly can so we have a small house um we don't really spend a whole lot of money outside of stuff related to our businesses you know for me music for her uh or jewelry and craft stuff. Um, and food. <laughs> Good quality food. That's important. Um, so yeah, we keep our expenses really low. And then I think I don't know. When I first moved down here, I didn't know that I wanted to necessarily be like a jobbing gigging musician, okay. you know. Um I thought I would rather just have some kind of day job and then focus on the kind of music I wanted to focus on my own time. You know, if something happened, great. But if not, then I was okay with that. Um, And then after doing that for about a year and a half maybe, um, I realized that if I ever was gonna have a chance at being part of a, a great band or um, challenging myself to write better music and hopefully connect with other people through my music or other people's music that I'm helping to create. I need to pay my dues. Like no one's gonna know about me and I'm not gonna know about anybody if I just play two or three shows a year, you know, and build it up in my head to be something that it's not gonna be and not do any marketing for it, but just show up and play maybe really good original music for 15 or 20 people and then that's it you know i knew i needed to just meet as many people as i possibly could so i got to a point where that's just what i wanted to do i met you i met you know everyone else in phase five and then through phase five i met a bunch of other people um that i've been able to work with and each band or each person that i've worked with i've tried to Pick um, who i wanted to work with based on things that I thought I wanted to improve upon in my um, musical life. Like playing with Phase 5 was great because it really helped me to be able to play a wide variety of genres, like a bunch of different styles on guitar. And also play with like really good musicians who also knew how to play, like you, you know how to play bass in a whole bunch of different settings. So I was working on what I needed to work on on guitar, but I was listening to you, listening to Steven, listening to Dave or Albert, whoever was playing drums and hearing what they're doing. I'm um, listening to Josh and Sammy or Robin, whoever was singing and trying to absorb all of that so I could learn from that, not just on guitar, but also you know, now that I play bass and I'm singing more and trying to play keyboards and, and whatnot, all these other instruments. i all these experiences that I've had, I'm trying to absorb them so I can get better at that myself. Yeah. So if it's been a band, that's the focus, trying to figure out what the role is in the genre. And then I've been working a lot uh, in duo settings with other singers and then by myself. And that's kind of allowed me to focus more on kind of rhythm and time, just really basic stuff, but just trying to keep a really good groove when it just, Two people, you know.
0: Yeah, you have a harder job or or more of a job, I should say, when you're when you're in a duo. Cuz yeah. when you're in a band, you can let the drums do their thing and let the bass do their thing on in a duo you have to
1: yeah, do all of it. You have to create all of it. So <clears throat> is that something
0: is that something I mean you you've told me before that like you even in New York as a kid you were writing songs, you know. Um, You've mentioned before Bob Dylan as, a,
1: mm-hmm. as
0: an influence. So you already had experience doing that, even accompanying yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? How did, you, how did you expand on that?
1: I think when I was younger, I didn't really think of, I wasn't really aware of like different roles. Like I would just play whatever, like I would listen to a song and I'd just learn the chords by ear. I didn't really like question how my role might change depending on who I'm accompanying, mm-hmm. depending on the style of song that I'm playing. You know, might call for a different accompaniment style. Um, yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question?
0: Um, not, not really. But that's okay. I, okay. I'm, I'm wondering, like, more towards like, how did you? You're obviously much better now than you were ten right. years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. How did that? How did that happen?
1: I think uh, probably just listening to a lot of music, playing with a lot of musicians, trying to play with people that are either as good or preferably better than me. Um, Being, putting myself in situations where maybe at first I wasn't very comfortable in them. Um, Not to feel uncomfortable, (laughs) but just so I would get better. Mm -hmm like putting myself in situations where basically I was forcing myself to have to learn a lot, like rapidly, or not, you know, be called back to be in that situation. And I I feel like those are the best situations for me personally to get better. So yeah, I guess just, it's been a slow process, very slow process that you don't really always see you know how it is like when you're working on something, you don't really see the results like a week later, or two weeks later. Right. Maybe like if you learn a, a new lick or a new phrase, yeah, you can kind of see that instantly. Or like if you learn a new song, you know you learned that song. But if you're talking about like a whole style of playing or like a, a higher understanding of your instrument um, or a greater vocabulary in whatever genre that you're playing in, that, you know, what you're practicing now like seeps in years (laughs) maybe a decade later you know I don't know what I'm gonna sound like in five years from now I can't I can't even imagine you know (laughs) but probably I'll sound a little bit like Mandy Harvey (laughs) probably I'll sound a little bit like Annie and and yeah I don't know I'll probably sound like who I'm working with right now yeah you know
0: all right. Well, then let's fast forward since you just mentioned you just mentioned two of the things mm-hmm. you're doing now. You've, you know, you were doing um, a lot more of the wedding band corporate scene, and I know, you, like we just did a a thing yeah. two weeks ago or something, right? Ten days ago. Ten days ago. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. It was fun, <laughs> but that's not on your that's not on your um, schedule that much anymore, right? Intentionally, from yeah. what I understand.
1: Yeah, I um, I used to, you know, in that in the wedding and corporate situation, I'd always just be the guitar player or, you know, maybe be a backup singer. Maybe I'd do the ceremony or the cocktail hour too and play solo guitar. But I wanted to challenge myself to start singing lead um, and playing lead and trying to be a band leader. So, I'm still doing weddings and corporate stuff. I'm just doing less of them, um, and I'm more selective in who I work with. And I don't wanna do like seven a month like I used to now. If I can do two a month or three a month during the peak season, I'm happy to do that. And I found a band, the Bay Kings band, where there's a lot of really good people that have allowed me to be myself, you know, and grow um, and also be a band leader. So get compensated more so I can I don't have to do as many of the gigs as I used to. And at the same time, I'm also learning more, too, on them, um, because just being the guitar player is a very comfortable situation for me. I don't have to put as much thought or work into it just because I've done it so much. Whereas if I'm like leading a band and singing and playing lead and running sound and trying to communicate and coordinate and make charts and make a set list, it forces me to have to put a lot more work in ahead of time and get better. Right. So
0: so one one of the other things you're doing, you started your own band. Previously, us four. Yeah. Right. And now you're more than four
1: people. Yeah. So now, now we're it's... even, now we're just as confusing. We're any and every, <laughs> spelled capital A N Y A N space D E V E R Y. Yeah. Any and every. Any and every. That's kind of like, actually, that was Dave Hamar's uh, idea, and you had Dave in here. Yeah. Right? Did he talk about it at all? We talked about it a little bit, yeah. 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 Um, basically, the idea was, <clears throat> We just want to create an environment with ourselves and with the people that come to see us where you can be yourself. You can do anything, you can do everything. You can not be afraid to be vulnerable and be honest and be open. So that's the kind of environment that we want to, first and foremost, create for ourselves to create in. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully have that same experience translated to the audience too, where people can just be themselves and not be afraid to be themselves.
0: Interesting. I don't think I've ever heard it um, explained that way. Uh, so how's how's that going? What are your well? What are your uh, you just we just did a thing. So I I've, I've been involved in that too. Yeah. Uh, we just did a a, a a second show. You've been involved in all of it pretty
1: much. In all of it. Us 4, any and Devery. Um Yeah, we just did another show at uh, the Studio at 620 in St. Pete. Um, and you recorded that. Um, and then we did one in January, too. Um, and each um, concert, we recorded live with the intention of um, putting them out uh, as an album. The first one, we're still mixing, working on. and The second one, we need to listen back and, and see how it sounds. But basically, each um, concert is a slightly different theme. The first one is more uh, instrumental, kind of a little more like the snarky puppy, indie rock kind of vibe. And this one was more of like a singer-songwriter kind of vibe, more vocal tunes. Um, So basically, we just wrote and recorded two different bodies of work, I guess two albums. Uh, with the intention of releasing them um, in some form, I'm not sure exactly yet because I want to hear what the finished product sounds like and then make a decision. Well, is this is this
0: um, a side project for you, or are you are you going for like Snarky Puppy, where that's that's their thing? You know what I mean? That's like that's Michael right. League's band. I mean, he right. just started another one, but that's that's the band.
1: Right. You know, or are you trying to do this like a um like a side project kind of thing I don't know I think uh all this stuff that I'm involved in I like to think of them all as side projects <laughs> <laughs> um but in like a good way that way I have a bunch of different outlets for different um I can have different roles in different bands like I like being Um, a band leader. I also like just being a guitar player. I like writing songs. I like singing. I also like backing up people who write really good songs, you know, whether it's on guitar or bass or you know, I don't really care. Um, So I'm trying to split my time right now between Any and Every, uh, Mandy Harvey, another singer that I work with, um, Bay Kings, when it's in season right now, it's summer, so there's not a whole lot going on. Um, and then my original solo stuff too, which I'm also working on. Um, then I play with a couple other really good singers, uh, Shelly Starks and, uh, Erica DeSegli. Um, so I'm trying to split up my time between that and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with Mandy Harvey, I want to ask you about that since you
0: mentioned her. Um, she's a, she's a singer and, uh an instrument,
1: guitar or ukulele, right? She does play guitar a little bit, um, but now primarily ukulele. Okay,
0: so she's a singer-songwriter playing ukulele, singing. Mm -hmm. She's got a really unique story that, um, I don't know if you want to tell, but everybody can look her up. Yeah. Um, So you started playing with her how long ago, and how did that
1: start? Um, It's June now. I started with her I think last August or September. So almost a year. Yeah, I think our first gigs together were in October, but I think she reached out to me in as early as actually maybe even a year ago, maybe as early as last May or June. Mm -hmm. But we didn't actually start doing gigs until October, I think, of last year. Cool. Yeah. How did you get
0: in there? Like, how did she find you? Or how did you find her? What was I that?
1: think the uh, the story goes, the legend goes. <laughs> <laughs> I think she knew from doing something up at the Kennedy Center in D.C. She knew Paul Gavin somehow because I think Paul was doing something there. I think I should know more about this <laughs> because I played with her, but I'm pretty sure Mandy won an award and was invited to like perform at the Kennedy Center, wow. um, and somehow she met Paul Gavin. Um, and then she moved down to Florida, and when she came down, she needed you know, a band. So I think she called Paul and asked him, and I, th- I think he was unavailable, um, or he must have been. And then he recommended, I don't know if he recommended Dave or Dan or Alfred Shepard. I don't know who he recommended exactly, but he probably contacted one of them, and the other people got the other people involved. And they played as a trio band with Mandy for a while. Dave, Hamar, Dan Navarro, and Alfred Shepard. And then uh, on a lot of Mandy's new stuff, there's a lot of guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Dave or Dan recommended me. And that was it. Here, here I am. And you were available. so and I, I was available. And yeah. I think I was the right fit, because I can sing. So I can sing back up, and then I'll sing back up. So, <laughs> well,
0: that's what I what I find interesting is that you made yourself available to do other stuff, and because you made yourself available, this opportunity presented itself that you could take. You could you weren't you know you weren't like on a gig or oh I've got all these weddings or I've got all these other gigs or whatever else mm-hmm. that are already taking up my time. This is a cool project. I can do that, and then yeah, it goes forward.
1: I think I uh, there have been like two pivotal pivotal moments in my uh music career. One was when I decided that I didn't just wanna do it part-time anymore, and I made the decision to leave my job um and, and start putting myself out there, and I did, and I became a full-time musician. But like I made the decision and I took risks and then like it just snowballed, you know. And then for this, I made the decision to <clears throat> not just be a side man, not just uh, do weddings, not just do corporate stuff. Um, There's nothing wrong with that, but I just didn't want to just do that anymore. I wanted to do that in addition to other Mm -hmm. things. So I made that decision. So I actively cut a lot of solo gigs and I cut a lot of band gigs um, so I could focus and have the time to get to do that more. And then once I did, some other opportunities kind of presented themselves to me. Right. So it seems that as long as I am honest with myself about um, what I really want to get out of my life, um, it seems like the universe usually answers with maybe not exactly what I was expecting, but with something mm-hmm. that is generally more along the lines of what I should be doing, maybe not what I need, because a lot of times doing stuff that's more original is a little bit of an investment at first, personal, musical, and financial, because it might not be uh, a lot of compensation up front, Um, but I find that if you put the investment in, then ultimately you grow as a person, and on the financial side, things will start happening too. And that's how it's been so far.
0: Cool. So what's next with, um, with Mandy, with you, with Any and Every? What are your, with, your future?
1: With me, I'm working on a, on a solo album. Um, actually, <clears throat> let me rephrase this. I'm working on, by myself, adding stuff to an album I recorded with my good friend, uh, Justin Weirbanski. Um, who used to live in St. Pete. Now he lives in Brooklyn. But We recorded this album under the name The Excitables together like seven years ago or something. Um, And I was always somewhat happy with it, but it never sounded like totally finished to me. So I have the original mixes that uh, Justin did of that stuff, and I've just been solo by myself adding bass and background vocals and other parts to this project that I did with Justin. So I'm going to be working on that and hopefully releasing that um, sometime soon. With Any and Every, uh, we're just basically getting a lot of content, video and audio, and we're editing that down too, and then um, just deciding how we're going to release it. But we want to be able to release it in conjunction with... um, kind of with what's been going on with Mandy Harvey, um, because now Any and Every is the backing band, essentially, for Mandy Harvey. Um, Steven Dornfeld is moving to um, the East Coast of Florida, so he's not playing in Any and Every anymore. So now it's me, Dave Hamar, Alfred Shepard's gonna be joining us, mm-hmm. um, Joe Coyle and Justina Walker, and Mandy Harvey's band is me, Dave Hamar, Alfred Shepard, and Dan Navarro. So, <laughs> Uh, Mandy uh, did really well on her uh, audition for America's Got Talent and got the golden buzzer so she's gonna be back um, for the live final and I think the end of August early September Um, and the band may or may not be with her on that live performance Um, but in any case we have some more shows coming up with Mandy so what we want to do is while she's working on her stuff we also want to have available some of this new music that we've recorded uh, to showcase the band too, right. um, in conjunction with uh, what we've been working on with Mandy. Right. so basically we're just trying to get a lot of stuff together um, and yeah, hopefully have it all ready for the fall
0: where can where can we find you? Where can they find you
1: uh, all, all your all the things you just
0: mentioned, right. Whatever you wanna plug, this is your chance.
1: Okay, well for Mandy, just Google Mandy Harvey and you'll see a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuff, go on YouTube, whatever. And then I'll leave it at that. Um, you won't need any more help. <laughs> uh, for any and every, we have a website. Um, you could Google any and every band um, and you could find us there. Um, right now we don't have a whole lot of content. You can also find us on Facebook at any and every band Um, So you can find us there, too. Um, But again, we don't have a huge amount of content right now, but you can just check on that to see if we're playing gigs.
0: On Instagram, too, right?
1: On Instagram, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then for my own stuff, um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I have a personal page and then a business page, uh, Will Thomas Music Florida. So you can just go on that and see what I've been working on. And then I have a website, too, which, again, I'm... Updating, <laughs> but that's a link to my Facebook page. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's it. That's pretty much it.
0: Okay, there's more. There's more of it. It's hard. It's really hard to condense
1: yeah. a lifetime of experience to. Yeah. So we'll we'll and probably have like a part two or some maybe even a part three. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it in a couple of months. See what happens. Yeah, dog. Hopefully everything will be available then and i'll actually be (laughs) like you can go listen to this here and you can go listen to this yeah so
0: yeah cool man thanks for doing this i really appreciate it thanks for having me okay so that was will sasina guitarist for mandy harvey and guitarist and composer for any and every he's got his own original music and you can catch him around here in florida or on tour with uh with mandy Uh, I hope you enjoyed this interview. I hope it was inspiring for some, educational for others. Go look him up online. Go look up uh, his band, Any and Every. Go look up Mandy Harvey. Uh, All the links will be in the show notes for this. Now, uh, there's one little caveat. This interview was recorded in June of 2017. So we're going to have him back. Uh, There's going to be more to come. We're going to talk about... uh, some other stuff that has happened since this was recorded uh and you'll be able to if you google mandy you'll be able to see what i'm talking about remember i'm still accepting donations and sponsorships if you if you like the concept of this show if you like this and you want to help me out uh with uh producing more of these um i'm gonna have more info to come uh As I figure out what I'm going to use, I'm leaning towards Patreon, but I got to do a little more research. But in the meantime, uh, if you just subscribe on whichever platform you found this website, uh, excuse me, this podcast, whether it was the website or uh, on Android or on iTunes or uh, hopefully Spotify soon, uh, if you want to send an email, it's musicgrindpodcast at gmail. Uh, and the website is themusicgrind.com. So, everybody, stay well out there and thanks for listening.